0: The second week of November is just wrapping up, with the S&P closing at 2023, down 3.5% for the week.
1: On this week's cast, we'll be discussing the October jobs report, exploring oil, dabbling into the biotech industry, and getting a closer look at Gilead Sciences, Walt Disney Company, and Jeff Bezos's brand
0: name, Amazon. This is episode one of The Stock Talk Show, the only podcast that can make you money! Welcome to the first installment of the Stock Talk Show. I'm Chris Tolson, and I'm joined here today with my buddy Nick Chin. Nick, how you doing today? Chris,
1: I'm doing good. I still can't believe you dragged me into doing this, um, but in all seriousness,
0: I'm really excited to record our first show. Yeah, me too. So let's let's get right into it. Um, we'll start out with our backgrounds. Nick, have you to tell me about your trading background?
1: Uh, you know, I've been trading for about five or six years now, since I was back in high school. The way that I've traded um, since then, the way I learned to trade, was more technical. I like to analyze chart patterns, chart formations, and really just look at the overall market psychology and base my, my moves in the market on those aspects.
0: Chris? I have been trading for about three plus years since I came into college. I consider myself a value investor. I like to look at how each individual stock compares to its peers in the industry. I like to use fundamental analysis, get into the nitty-gritties of the company, figure out what they do, look at their income statements, and use that to help evaluate my choices.
1: Uh, yeah, the show is sort of like a two-headed snake, with a fundamental head and a technical head. We really plan on bringing you a mixture of both analyses to help you analyze stocks.
0: Yeah, um, so that's what sort of makes us different from other podcasts. Uh, basic breakdown of this show, though, we're going to usually start out with a market update, we'll typically, which typically has... What happened in the previous week, you know, the big news, big economic news, economic reports, and how we feel about the state of the market. Then we'll come into the industry focus where we choose one particular industry. We'll look at how it's been performing and how we expect it to perform in the future. And then we'll get into the meat of the show, which is our stock report. This is just a handful of stocks that we basically get really in-depth into, uh, get a nice close look, analyze them, give you guys the information. Um, This week we've got Gilead, Disney, and Amazon on deck. And then we close it out with a couple special segments and some closing statements. So we'll jump right into the market update. Nick, how are you feeling on the market right now?
1: Yeah, this has been a rough week for the market, Chris, especially the S&P. Um, you know, we've seen about a 4% drop this past week. But you know, I don't think this is reason to fear. Um, we're still in an uptrend. I mean, this has been a weird past couple of months, especially with the huge drop we had back in late August with the economic slowing in China. But you know, we've come back up to those previous highs from mid-August, we're back up. We broke through um, that last level of, of resistance back in 1996, and you know, we're, we're way above that now. You know, although you, know, you can look at this and say we did break through the 200-day moving average and the 100-day moving average, um, that 50-day moving average, especially when the fact that it coincides with the 1996 level of support, is big. I really think that is a level uh, where you're gonna see the market rebound. Like I was saying before, we're still in an uptrend. Um, there's no reason to fear. And as an investor, this is good. You want to see new money being reintroduced into the market.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, um, I I'm pretty bullish for this upcoming week. I think we are going to see an increase in the S&P. This past week, um, the market might be down on some comments that the Fed made, sort of hinting at those rate hikes that we might see in December. And also oil. Oil's down, I think, 9% on the week, which um, sort of scared the market away. Uh, the Energy Administration, they came out with a report saying that U.S. crude supplies, they're up for the seventh week in a row, which is a bit weird because this season you normally see supplies decrease as refineries are processing more. So anytime you see a build up, it's sort of a negative indication. Uh, inventories are also up 4.2 million barrels versus the 1.1 million barrel estimate, which is why oil dropped down 3% on Thursday, sort of people panicking at that site.
1: Yeah, you know... Uh... You can view that news, the oil especially, as bad, especially since we're near record lows. But there's also the aspect of uh, the consumer spending. You know, people, it has been shown by economists now that a lot of the money that isn't being spent on, you know, three dollars a gallon for gas is being spent on consumer products, and that can drive up a lot of different industries.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. You know, there's always that silver lining with the market. Um, also. I think at the end of October, we had the new October jobs report that came out about a week and a half ago, and to, uh, to sum it up, it just absolutely crushed. You know, we're added 271,000 jobs versus the estimated 180,000, so about 100,000 jobs higher. Um, unemployment now is at about 5%, which is, can be considered full employment, the lowest we've had since the recession. Also, wages. Wages are up at the highest level since '09. They're up 2.5% increase in this year. And because of this interest rates will most likely come the Fed has been hinting at it you know they've been watching the market they've been feeling it out but now as wages increase you'll see inflation sort of positively increase and those interest rates will be hiked you
1: know it's kind of funny the the Fed news for the past um, I don't know a few years now actually the speculation whether or not they're going to raise it or not has just made the market fluctuate so much. But, you know, now that Yellen has come out and claimed that, you know, there will more than likely be a rate hike in December, uh, at least it got a lot of the fear out of the market now rather than later, uh, just to help the market anticipate for that moment.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, Except for that one guy who, you know, wakes up and sees in the news Uh, that those rate hikes are there. And there will always be that one guy. (laughs) Um,
1: But, you know, with the market being so topped out, in my opinion, when it broke above the 2100 level, it just needed a lot of times that kind of news to help it pull back. Uh, so yeah, that's that's about where we are in the market right so, now.
0: So you think, you know, get the money in right now?
1: Yes. Uh, in this next week, my, my guess at least is that because I think we're still in an overall bullish market, that we'll see the thing maybe come down a little bit more, but not to the extent of, you know dropping down below that 50-day moving average or that 1996 level
0: it's going to test the support but you don't think it will drop below it
1: absolutely yes that's what i'm saying i really think we're going to see a rebound
0: all right yeah so this week we're focusing on the biotechnology industry biotechnology is basically technology that uses biology it's seen massive growth in the last five years i think the industry is up over 250 percent in the last five years It's mainly used in pharmaceutical drug discovery, but can also be used in genetically modified crops and genetic discovery in humans. Uh, The industry, it's however been down 3%, I think, over the year to date, and that's over the recent scrutiny over price gouging.
1: Uh, Real quick, Chris, what exactly is price gouging?
0: Price gouging is when a, a larger company will buy up a company that manufactures a legacy drug or a drug that's off patent, and they'll basically take this drug and raise the price a lot to make quick profits uh, out of it because there's no competition in making the drug. So, you know, it's big negative media attention. There's lots of publicity, negative publicity over this. And, you know, one of the crazy
1: things is for someone like me who hasn't been as, I guess, um, who hasn't paid as much attention to some of the news with the, uh, with the biotechs, like the price gouging, you know, back in uh, late September, you see these massive drops and this is why you have to definitely pay attention to more aspects of a company. Um, and that's one unique thing about the, uh, the biotech industry, how affected it is by news. Um, and other things like uh, pipeline drugs, which is something we'll talk about a little bit later in the show.
0: Yeah, that, um, that massive drop that you are talking about that happened in late September. That's really when the price gouging thing started to come to light. I think uh, Retrofin that is the company. They bought out a company that manufactured Dareprim. And they basically raised the price of this drug from I think thirteen dollars a tablet up to seven hundred fifty dollars a tablet. So just massive increase. I think over five thousand percent. And they, when it came to light, they just had complete bombardment over you know viral media. Yeah, sure. As
1: as an investor, uh, you know obviously you want your company to have good ethics. Uh, a company that you want to exactly. invest in at least. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's not necessarily that it's not necessarily that that makes you want to sell it. But you know that other investors are definitely looking to get out. It's just a, it's just instinct to yeah. believe in that, and mm-hmm. you know that that will definitely drive the stock down. Especially another one like Valiant Pharmaceutical. Yeah, Valiant, um, which has seen a drop in over, of over seventy percent um, since the summer. So um,
0: another one off the top of my head is Horizon Pharma. I think Express Scripts, so a pharmacy benefit manager. They just dropped them off contract, so you know. After that, you saw Horizon Farm, I think, drop 18% in the last week. Um, so this this negative attention, you know, it's massive sell off in the biotech industry, and that's only just due to concern to these bad, these few bad apples. But there's other companies in there that they don't partake in this price gouging, and they've been deflated by all the panic. And,
1: and these, it, like you're saying before, I mean, one big thing too about the biotechs. Uh, if you look at the chart. In through October of say one of Valiant um, Horizon Retrofin, some of the main pharmaceuticals that were used that were price gouging, um, and that took massive drops, and then you look at the S and P as well in the same time frame, you'll see uh, just the negative correlation. I mean the S and P has been just rallying rallying since October, and the uh, these pharmaceuticals, I mean these biotechs have been just tanking. Yeah. So, the- you know, so yeah, a lot of times they. They just, there's no, a lot of times you can't use um, an indicator like the S&P when you trade these biotechs. That's that's one big reason why, uh, or one big thing Chris has brought to light, that you have to pay attention to these these very important uh, news articles that come out about them.
0: Yeah, and so this, this whole scrutiny over it, you know, that's leaving this undervalued biotechnology industry in. Other, com- other companies inside the industry are noticing that they're like, oh, this company, that's you know, it's undervalued. Sure. So they're, they're trying to take up some merger and acquisitions, you know, picking up all these companies that are cheaper right now. You know, mm-hmm. this can be seen with, I think Pfizer is looking to buy out allergen, sure. which would be the biggest.
1: And, you know, especially with the low interest rates now, you definitely fuel a lot of these mergers. Yeah, and exactly.
0: So, I mean, right now, I think um, the big, the big four companies, we've got Gilead, Celgene, Amgen and Biogen, these companies they make up I think over 50, 50% of the 50%, this 50% industry. of it's, the market caps. These big four, yeah. I like to call them. Um, you know they're they're all sitting at pretty cheap valuation compared to the S&P and I, th- I think now is not a bad time to get in. Sure. Other plays inside the biotech industry that's not in these big four also include, you know, some biotech ETFs. I like IBB, the Nasdaq Biotech Fund and also XBI, the S&P biotech ETF. You know, these these funds are also running pretty undervalued, just like the biotech industry, if you're looking to make a play in here.
1: Our favorite play in the biotech industry is actually the largest company in the industry, with $150 billion in market cap being 20% of the industry. Gilead Sciences, ticker GILD, and ending the week at $102.57 a share.
0: Yeah, um, at this price, it's got a trailing 12-month PE of around 9.5 times earnings, The industry median is around 20. It's got a PEG, price earnings to growth of 0.6 compared to the industry average of 1.53. Both these metrics, you know, they sort of show you how undervalued Gilead is compared to its industry peers.
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned how undervalued the stock is. You definitely saw how in September, October, and just the summer, how it was affected by the price gouging and other companies in the biotech industry. Um, But right now, we've seen... Gilead Sciences really start leveling off and kind of start following the rest of the market. It's the, the past three days at least. It's really followed the S and P. It's pulled back a little bit, but before that, we'd see it, we'd seen it trying to break through that downtrend it was in, and has really stabilized. So we're looking now to Gilead Sciences as a as a time to invest.
0: Yeah, um, just a little background about the company. It's a manufacturer of antiviral drugs. Uh, it manufactures hepatitis C. Treatments and HIV treatments. Both of these make up a large, large portion of the sales. They released quarter three earnings on October, late October. Uh, the sales came in at 8.2 billion dollars. That was a 38 percent year over year increase. That massive increase, massive increase, mainly due to Harvoni now being on the market. Harvoni is a, one of their blockbuster hepatitis C drugs. It just got approval last year from EU and U.S. just got approval from uh, Japan actually in September, so that's about to be on the market in Japan. Yeah, I mean we
1: showed Gilead Science is showing some huge growth internationally. I mean there's 68 percent of sales in the U.S., 20 percent is in Europe, and then you have another 12 percent internationally.
0: Yeah, that that 12 percent of sales, I think that's year over year. That's a 193 percent increase, which is massive, and that's still only 12 percent. So they've got huge potential to grow overseas. You,
1: you know, another stat that I really wanted to reiterate uh, was that, you know, you had mentioned how they're huge in hepatitis C treatment, but the HIV treatment, they actually treat 73% of naive HIV patients in the United States. They own that market. I mean, the amount of revenue that they're bringing in from that is is such an
0: encouraging sign for Gilead Sciences. Yeah, I mean, that's that's huge, but that that is a bar, large portion of their sales. But, I mean, even to go back on the hepatitis C, that completely combines as 70 percent of their sales come from the hepatitis c drugs yeah. which is ridiculous there's two two main drugs um, the hiv drugs make up another 25 percent there's four main ones there's stribold complera triple and Truvada. these drugs they're all selling they all have increase in sales they're looking pretty good stribold especially in europe except there's a new drug coming out that just got approval on november 5th and it's called genvoya it's a single tablet it's basically a better version of Stribald, so we will see a lot of sales being eaten from Stribald going to Genvoya, but having both of them on the market should be decent amount of exposure. That sort of gets into their pipeline. They've got lots of other good goodies in their pipeline. They've got three other TAF-based regimens that are going to be seeking approval by mid-2016. They've got Genvoya, which still needs EU approval. They've got a phase 3 drug out for hepatitis B and multiple, car- multiple cardiovascular phase drugs five phase threes right now for oncology and hematology, which is a big market, you know, oncology, very, very big market.
1: Real quick to Chris, uh, you know, you mentioned all these drugs through the pipeline. What exactly is the drug pipeline? The
0: the drug pipeline is future drugs that they're doing clinical studies on right now to then come out to market later. Okay. Basically, in that process, you'll see uh, they need to complete three phases of trials, right? Uh, I think there's Single blind, then a couple double blind and placebo testing, and then after that, then they seek approval by the FDA or the EU regulatory submission. And then once they give them the okay, then they can come on the market. That's usually around a year, year process, but that's what they need to bring their drugs. Yeah, on
1: the I mean, pretty much in layman's terms, the pipeline is what determines the just how these biotechs really move. Exactly. It's yeah, it's it's so important to follow the pipeline drugs to see if the FDA approves them. And,
0: see, and you will see how that affects the share price significantly. Yeah, and Gilead's got probably one of the strongest pipelines of all biotechs right now. Not only that, though, I also like them because of the big stat right here. their operating cash flow, or how much cash they have. They ended quarter three with $25.1 billion in cash, which is ridiculous. It, that's,
1: that is an insane stat. That's like, that. like
0: an, enough money to buy Switzerland for a year. I made that up. <laughs> but, so they've got $4.1 billion in operating cash flow. And the real question is now, like, what do they do with it?
1: And, you know, like we had said before, with the low interest rates, this is the time for Gilead Sciences to go out and get mergers and acquisitions. I mean, that would be so big for the growth of this company, who's already bringing, who already has so much cash. I mean, this is such a great opportunity for, for them to grow even more into this market.
0: Yeah, um, so these mergers and acquisitions, you know, they're very important to help with their research and development, coming into new markets, new drug markets. Another thing that they're doing right now with their cash is, they implemented a $15 billion share repurchase program in January. I think they've paid back 3.9, or they purchased back 3.9 billion dollars worth. So they still got 11 million dollar, 11 billion dollars worth of shares to be repurchased. You know, so they've got some good control on the price right there. Um, they've got, they just started their first dividend in quarter two which is very promising. You know, you've got to love dividend shares. Right, always. Uh, that's a 43 cents per share dividend, so about 1.7% of their share price right now.
1: You yeah, and to kind of, you know, start wrapping up our talk on Gilead Sciences, you know, for the week, what I'm really looking at is to see how Gilead Sciences reacts uh, to this pullback. I mean, you have a major area of support uh, at about $100 a share back in early September. And with the S&P starting to pull back as well, you're really going to see how the entire market, including the biotechs and Gilead Sciences, reacts to this upcoming level of support. If it do, if it does decide to bounce off that hundred dollar level, especially with the stochastic uh, also bottoming, you w- in my opinion you'll definitely see a a continuation or a start of a really nice uptrend for Gilead Sciences.
0: Yeah, I definitely see it going up from here. I've got probably a 12 month price target around 130. I uh, need to pay close attention to see if it gets that Genvoya approved from the EU in December. So basically, you know, with, we like it because it's undervalued, it's got huge potential growth, and it's just it's got a lot of cash, so a lot of opportunities there, and just all around good stock. Another
1: good company that we've been looking at recently is the Walt Disney Company, ticker DIS, and ending the week at about $115 a share. Disney's had one of the better months of any stock, or any company really, that we've seen uh, up around 15% since October wow and yeah it's been doing fantastic and this past week really it's showing a lot of strength as you've seen the s p take a pretty sharp decline um, you know it, it stabilized off and had about one or two days of pulling back but other than that I mean you've seen the stock really remain strong and I think a lot of a lot of that can be attributed to the quarter four results uh, the quarter four earnings and you know it just it missed expectations by just a hair. But overall, had a great, great quarter. Um, yeah, I
0: think the, the revenues for the quarter were at thirteen point five one billion, yep, yeah. and the estimates were at thirteen point five five. Yeah, just so missing. Just missing by about forty million, so nothing that's too significant. Mm-hmm. Um, that quarter number, that's an increase of nine percent over the prior year quarter. Another another big big one is the net income finished for the year at eight point four billion, so a lot of money there. Twelve percent increase year over year. Those those are both the record numbers. You know, eight point four billion, the highest Disney's ever been at their year of revenue of fifty two point five billion. That's the highest they've ever had it at. So the company, you know, it's at the, it's at its peak right now. It's got potential to go up. Sure. Another another number right now from their earnings is the segment operating income of three point five three billion. That was up twenty seven percent year over year, and that's attributed to all five segments right now. We've got media networks, parks and resorts, studio entertainment, consumer products in the Disney Interactive section. So how about you bring us into the media network section?
1: Yeah, you know, the media section did fantastic for Disney this year. They're responsible for 51% of the operating income, which is up an astonishing 27% year over year. And, you know, the media includes the ESPN, the uh, Disney Channel, the ESPNs, the... Um, They've got A&E Network, A&E ABC, Network. ABC Family. Yeah, so. now they actually have the SEC Network, too, which has been huge for them. Yeah, that's another affiliate um, out of ESPN. Yep. The viewership for that has been really, really good this year. Yeah, you, know, you had a little bit of scare uh, not too long about ESPN cutting cutting a few jobs here and there. There has been, like I said, a little bit of fear over cable cutting. Um, just people starting to move away from uh, buying traditional cable companies. But
0: you know, Yeah, yeah. And be having cord cutting happening, you know, that's an easy drop-in revenue, missing out on all these people. But there's also not only just cord cutters, but what's known as cord nevers. And these are people that are just young, the young generation they're coming out of college, you know, and they don't need to buy cable immediately. Mm. So, you know, they've got their entertainment platform platforms, through streaming or Netflix or whatever, so they don't they don't have any need for it, so yeah. But you know, some good
1: news it. for for Disney. I'll always be watching ESPN. You know, I love I love oh, all their yeah, networks. Me, me, so me too. Me too.
0: work. Yep. An- another stat that I read: ESPN is in eighty percent of households. So you know, yeah. it's still still got a large amount. Yep.
1: Yeah, and yeah, all these things definitely contribute to just being one of the uh, just a media giant. I mean, the thing controls. It's in every household, like Chris was saying.
0: Yeah, but uh, an- another concern, not only with cord cutting, and cord nevers, is what's known as a skinny bundle. Basically, it's just people taking smaller packages on their cable network. So it leaves out a lot of the ESPN affiliates, like ESPN2, SEC Network, ESPN News. So you know, they only go for that one big ESPN. They'll leave out the affiliates, and that's missing out on some more revenue there
1: so you want to get into the parks and resorts section of disney now yeah so it represents the second largest segment behind media generating 4.4 billion in revenue but 738 million in operating income due to large expenses but still this operating income makes up about 21 percent of the company's total you know we've seen definitely an increase this year in some of the numbers from parks and resorts uh yeah this can probably be attributed to some of the higher room rates um and you know, what are some of the other things that you um, might contribute to? To that?
0: just break it down, I think they said that they had an increase domestically and sure. then a decrease internationally in terms of revenue. The domestic domestic it can be attributed to the increase in guest spending okay. and I think they've got Disneyland and then Walt Disney Resort in Florida. And this is from higher higher average room rates higher ticket prices and also increased guest spending in the park.
1: Yeah, I guess all those uh, lower oil prices are contributing more people going to the yeah, parks. Yeah, if, yeah. You want to consider it
0: like that. <laughs> yeah. Um internationally though, they're experiencing lower attendance and mm-hmm. occupied rooms in Hong Kong, Disney.
1: But yeah, they're still trying to expand. You know, I heard recently they're actually building a new park in China. So you know that's that's definitely something that Disney's yeah, that's a
0: big trying to, a big thing that's gonna be coming mm-hmm. up. Shanghai Disney, so that's the biggest city in the world. You know, sure. a lot a lot of potential growth or possible revenue there. Sure. The pre-construction costs are coming out a bit more expensive than I think Disney wanted. I think $900 million more than they're anticipating has attributed to construction there. But it should be opening up in spring 2016. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, we're definitely uh, trying to look forward to that and see how it, see how that does for Disney. Yeah. yeah
0: um, another segment, studio entertainment. Mm-hmm. I think the quarter four results show that operating income was an increase of over 100%. Yeah.
1: You know, it's, it's a funny statistic because it really varies from year to year and the kind of movies that come out. I mean, this year, for example, you've seen some really big ones. And um, right now, we're going to have Star Wars coming up, which is a really big movie. Uh, the Good Dinosaur is another movie coming up. Uh, what were some of the other ones again from, um, from recently that really helped so, raise that
0: number up? So, after the acquisitions of Lucasfilm, mm-hmm. Pixar, Marvel, you know, three massive acquisitions, I think, totaling $15 billion. Oh, yeah. So, th- they're going to try to milk these cows out. I think mm-hmm. Star Wars, they've got a plan of six movies three standalones and then sure. three in the series. And, you
1: know, Marvel too, is really oh, yeah, milking the Marvel, out. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, you had an Avengers 2 now, you really well. the
0: Ant Mans and all those other yeah, kind of movies. I think they have three phases. They're moving into phase three of those. They also <coughs> get the, royal, the royalties from all the TV shows. Yeah, like absolutely. From Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Daredevil <laughs> from Netflix. Mm-hmm. And they've also got the live action. They've got upcoming plans for, you know, Beauty and the Beast. Pirates, uh, the next Pirates, and Jungle Book, so they got lots of potential upcoming films. Mm-hmm. All of which, you know, I think some of them are new, new films, but the others are uh, sequels. So they all have like a nice steady stream of people who would yep. probably come and see it. Yeah, you know, and
1: because of how, because of how well these movies have done traditionally, uh, we I'm really looking forward
0: to see how they help to boost up the quarterly earnings this upcoming year. Yeah, really, it should be interesting. A, a lot, I mean, the Star Wars one, or Star Wars seven, I guess it is. The, the anticipations for that has been factored into the price right now. Sure. Right now, I think they're anticipating about $1.5 billion. Absolute record which setting. Which is very, very high movie. I, I personally think it's going to be higher than that. You know, yeah, I, 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 can, I can't wait for it. I really can't wait for that movie as well. So, you know, that, that's already been factored in the price, but it still is good to know that that thing will absolutely crush. Mm-hmm. And the movies, the movies are very important for their next segment, which is consumer products.
1: Yeah, I mean... It's it's cool what Disney does too. They really help to design these movies to help really push up their consumer products to help build or not build, but uh, just design these products to really uh, attract consumers. Yeah, you know, everyone looks for these awesome characters. Uh, for example, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. You know, you see how unique some of these characters were, and you know, it's fantastic for all the toys, for all the different uh, labels of. Um, yeah, they can stamp it on food. I even saw Frozen once on bagels. I mean, that just yeah. shows you how how ridiculous Disney you is in the consumer products. Go down to
0: any elementary school, and you'll see fifty percent of the kids with Frozen backpacks. <laughs> you know that that revenue stream in terms of consumer products is still pumping Absolutely. out money. It's it did ridiculous. The consumer products, um, the segment though, it I think is twelve percent of yep. their operating income yeah, encompasses. Is um it made 416 billion dollars or million dollars sorry in operating income that's a 10 percent increase from the prior year quarter
1: and we'd mentioned it before the whole star wars movie i can't uh, the consumer product numbers you're going to see from the star wars movie i mean it already started yeah, shirts the
0: toys the legos for all, all the all the star wars classic products all, yeah, yes and they're, you know, they're getting licensing from those yep.
1: those a huge and yeah, you know, the last uh segment that disney has is the interactive uh region but you know they're they they do not play a huge role yeah the,
0: the, and they're a pretty income. insignificant portion of the revenue mm-hmm. but um, basically that segment is their their video game segment and mm-hmm. they've got a lot of potential to grow there i think um they're trying out new things they've got disney infinity which is a a toy and a video game sort okay. of combined into one so you have to buy both and that's that's doing all right it's been up and down for the quarters sharing yeah. uh, their mobile department though they've got one product which is practically big in japan Sumsum, i think the game is called and that thing has been really pushing the interactive okay. department up but it, like we said it's very insignificant look, I look into that sounds awesome yep. um so how about you t- tell us about what, what you think the price might do in this week yeah
1: we've seen disney just really do so like i mentioned before it's really done well compared to the rest of the market um we, like the S&P, we saw a little or a slight pullback recently, and Disney's just remained so strong. I mean, it hasn't even come back down to test any of the major levels of, of support or any of the big moving moving averages that what, we like to look at. What levels of
0: support are you looking at for this? Uh,
1: so right now, I mean, the big level of support for Disney is around the 110 level. And besides that, one day before the earnings came out, when I guess there might have been a little bit of scare, it, it did come down a little bit, but, I mean, it's still – it didn't even end close to that number. So, you know, I have a very positive outlook for Disney. Uh, by the end of this year, I could really see this thing very possibly going above $120 a share mm-hmm. as people just keep anticipating these movies and the media growth and all these things. And yeah. for a longer period of time, for 12 years, I mean, we just told you how Disney's really trying to grow their, their company and their product. I mean, you could see this thing hitting record highs, 140, 135. That'd be a reasonable price range, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think my twelve-month price target is 130 right now. So, very, very good growth in this stock. You know, it's it's got a lot of good things going to it. it.
1: Especially since, one cool thing about Disney, like we had mentioned with the five different sectors it has, it it draws in revenue and income from so many different regions. It. I mean, that's what really helps solidify itself as one of the premier
0: companies out there. Mm-hmm. So And, you know, if one, one segment isn't doing so well, the others are still doing exactly. well, even though Because there is concern over that media network segment with the cord cutting and loss of subscribers. But uh, Bob Iger, you know, he, he came out on the press conference and he said that he doesn't expect it to be going anywhere. You know, he expects ESPN to still be performing really well into the future. Yes. So overall, we think it's a good stock. Um, Definitely one they should look at as, yeah, a, as a long-term investment. Good potential upside to it. Um, very strong. You know, we don't see it, any reason for it to just and,
1: and one thing, Disney, too, it's not a very volatile stock. You don't see this thing make – or very rarely do you see this thing make above you know, 3%, 4% moves, which sometimes people want to trade stocks like that because of the upside to make quick money. But Disney's a company that you can really look at to hold in the long term because of its stability and just how how consistent it can be following its trends and its patterns. And it really has to say about the investors in the company.
0: Yeah. So. If if you got that money stuffed under the mattress right now, you know yeah. you might as well just <laughs> Dis- go put it into Disney, <laughs> exactly. Let it wait for 30 years and then come back Or spend Disney it on the Star Wars tickets. Either or, or, or that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Either one works for us. I'll definitely be going <laughs> opening night.
1: So so let's move on to Amazon. All right, yeah. So Amazon, ticker AMZN. Uh, one of the real overachieving stocks this year. This for the year for the beginning of twenty fifteen, ridiculous stat. It's gone up a hundred percent for wow. three hundred dollars a share. Currently at the end of the week it ended about ended at around six hundred forty three dollars a share and has had a fantastic week. Quarter three earnings were really good.
0: Yeah, quarter three smashed, absolutely smashed. Um net sales were at twenty five point four billion dollars. This is versus the quarter three in twenty fourteen of twenty point six billion. That's a twenty three percent increase year over year, which is absolutely ridiculous. The net income, however, on that sales was only seventy nine million, but that's better, you know, because Amazon they've been recording losses in net income recently, but now they're actually starting to show that they can profit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The reason this is so low, though, compared to their net net sales of twenty five billion, they only have seventy nine million of income. It's because you know they're spending a lot, not only in expenses and in terms of assets and warehouses and cost of sales, but they're also investing a lot, looking to see... Jeff Bezos, he's seeking to grow a lot into other industries.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the big things that he's doing, and one of the things that Amazon has gotten a lot of credit for, is Amazon Web Services, and oh, yeah. especially the cloud. Uh, right now, they they claim to have one of the greatest cloud services of any company, and they, can, they do it all in-house. Mm-hmm. Um, so that...
0: I think, I think the Amazon Web Services is one is a very strong segment of theirs. You know, it's, it's not like the normal Amazon that you think. It's not like buying products online. They yeah. have, like, their own. It's a specialty segment. It has $2.85 billion, or $2.085 billion in sales, operating income of $521 million. So that's an operating margin of 25%. So, you know, it's a pretty profitable segment. In, in terms of sales, it's a 78% increase year over year. So, you know, they're really ramping up that segment. Sales-wise, North America fifteen billion dollars, uh, that's fifty-nine percent of the total. International is at eight point two six billion, which is thirty-three percent of the total.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the international market, they're definitely now looking to expand to your China, India, and yeah, they do have the competition with your uh, Alibaba's and some of the other smaller uh, online bookstores, I guess you'd call them, mm-hmm. in foreign countries. But just because of how much money and time that Jeff Bezos has invested in Amazon, they're really looking to explore their
0: options overseas. Yeah, and to, I think here, here's a stat about Amazon India, Amazon.in. They added add more than 40,000 products a day. The number of sellers have increased 250% year over year. The active customers increased 230%. So, you know, at Amazon India, you know, it's it's really increasing. Sure. And, yep. And, you know, one of the
1: other really uh, big things that Amazon – Everyone knows about Amazon Prime, and that's where we kind of want to get into.
0: Oh, yeah. <coughs> the. <coughs> oh, However, though, you know, Amazon Prime, you know, Amazon, they they don't really release their subscri- subscriber count, mm-hmm. so it's very in the dark. You know, we're guessing, looking, p- picking at straws. Um, I think estimates have ranged from 20 million subs- uh, subscribers to 40, 50 million subscribers. Uh, there is a stat out there by the Commerce Board of the U.S. which says that the Prime subscribers, I think they're, they spend twice the amount of normal subscribers, So you know, these Mm -hmm. Prime subscribers, they are coming back. Uh, I think it's been estimated that there's a 95% renewal rate on the subscriptions. So they're coming back, they're spending a lot of money, and they're contributing a lot.
1: But now that we've brought up the uh, the Amazon Prime service, let's talk about some major competition that Amazon will be facing soon. Walmart apparently now has a service that will be called Shipping Pass. Um, And it's a similar service, so they'll be shipping other products, but for almost half the price. $50 a year. Uh, for free, th- free three-day shipping. Um, so in the future, we're definitely going to see if they take away any of the market share away from Amazon. Uh, I'm really curious to see
0: how Walmart can compete with all the services that Amazon has. Yeah, Walmart's really trying to. They're trying to increase their online sale, on ta- online retailing. I think it, there is sort of a difference between the markets. You know, Amazon's more of a younger crowd, a, sure. Uh, what do you, millennial crowd, and <clears> then <throat> um, Walmart, they've got the older folks, but. I think in terms of buying power, I read somewhere that the, that older generation that Walmart controls is around $3 trillion versus uh, $1 trillion of the millennials. Wow. That
1: was very significant. Um, so, you know, just talking a little bit more about the Amazon share price, uh, if you're looking to invest in the stock, it's, it's a very interesting stock. I remember looking at Amazon back in around 2006, and the stock traded at uh, somewhere in the $60 range. And I said to myself, "There's no way, like, this thing's gonna make it above 100, 200 dollars a share." And look where we are now: above 600 dollars a share, and it has gone nowhere but up. Um, and finally, we've seen that them, they're starting to generate income, uh, rather than losing money uh, from quarter to quarter. So there's
0: there's almost no reason to believe that you'll see the share price decline. Uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Like that that income, it's promising. But I mean, when you are looking to trade Amazon, you're not looking at their earnings. You want to look at at their sales increase, just because Jeff Bezos, he's been investing so heavily into growing the company. You know, um, the PE I think is 400 mm-hmm. times its earnings, so it's very high, very overvalued. If when you look at it directly, but what you need to look at it, you need to consider like its growth potential. Um, so you, basically, when you are buying like a share of Amazon, you you're buying the company like like three years from now. You know, mm-hmm. you're buying into these like future earnings, and just because of this this product that. Jeff Bezos has made, and that's the Amazon stock. You know, it's he's trying to show that they might dominate the world. They'll be like the next Google, controlling a lot of things, not only through their retailing, but they also have a line of products. You know, they got the Fire products, Fire HD, and Fire TV. Mm -hmm. Um, They got the new Amazon Echo. Yeah,
1: and another thing, they're starting to now that they have the Amazon Prime service, they're starting to come up with their own television series to compete with your Netflixes out there. Oh yeah,
0: to compete with your Hulu's. That's streaming. That's a big market too. uh, Yep, for sure. So overall, you know, Amazon, they've they've got this they've got this huge growth potential, and that's what Jeff Bezos is trying to do. He's valuing he's valuing growth right now more than profit, which is you know it depends on the investor. You know, some investors they want that profit now. They want to see a company that's profiting right now rather than seeing a company that will profit five years from now. But so it's up to you whether you want to look look into it or not. Um, Nick, you have it's, any? It's a very future. What's going to yeah, happen? Yeah,
1: it's, it's a very tough call when you're talking about future price. Uh, just because it's really based on the investor and what they value. Do you value all the, the time and effort and money that Jeff Bezos is putting into this company for future growth? Uh, do you think that the stock can continue its, its insane uptrend? Um, if I'm looking at the stock, I, it, it's a very tough stock to look at for a long-term trade. But it is traded very heavily on an in, intraday basis. It's definitely, and people do trade it for a stock that trades at $600 a share to see a volume of over $6 million on Friday. But you know, that's that's a little bit of an outlier just
0: because of how much it dropped. But you still see. I think the average volume is five million right now. Yeah, I mean that's that's
1: very very high, and it's a stock that is traded uh, intraday. It's by day traders. Uh, Even though you have seen the really ridiculous uptrend, there is a lot of volatility in the stock. And
0: so, so in terms of long term you know you not only need to think of yourself but think about how other people are perceiving Amazon You know, Amazon's mm-hmm. got that, that brand name to it so other people might be really valuing Amazon themselves so that might affect your decision yep. overall though I, I'm not putting my money in I think there's other options out there you know long term it does have very very strong potential and um, upside to it, but yeah, you know, I'm think, not touching I it think right the now. previous
1: two companies that we mentioned, Disney and your Gilead Sciences, are a little bit safer at the moment. Yeah, I think they're stronger. I'm just sure. scared of the volatility that you could see in Amazon. And they, they have
0: know. that they have that set earnings, and that's how I like to see it. Yeah. You know, I, I want to see a company with earnings that's not at a, at a net profit margin of 0.58%. As of right now, though, I'd probably hold if you've got a position in it, but I'm not getting into it right now. Alright, so let's move on to our rundown. segment where we're going to take a group of stocks and, you know, go through quick explanations of them. Nick, you want to start us off?
1: Yeah, let's start off with the social media giant. Facebook, uh, ticker FB, just ended the week at $104 a share. Really one of the strongest stocks we've seen recently. And you can attribute a lot of this to over to having over a billion users now, taking a lot of market share away from some of the other social media companies like Twitter, who only has 300 million users. So one big reason Facebook's been doing so well is because of the advertising and how well they've been doing in that field you know, they, as they constantly improve their uh, website, their mobile sites, you see them get more of the advertising out and generating more revenue. So I'm really uh, bullish on Facebook as we move through the year and into next year. Chris? All
0: right. Alibaba, ticker, BABA. They recently just had their singles day. Absolutely smashed the records of that. $14.3 billion of sales. You know, that's 70% of those were on mobile. Absolutely ridiculous. One of the biggest markets right now, which is China. However, there are concerns over the slowing economy in China that Report just said that they dipped below 7% growth on the year, which is one of the first times ever. Um, they're trading at $75, about $50 off the 52 week high. This lives in that PE of 30 times earnings, about a third of the industrial average. And so, you know, I see a lot of growth in there. I think they're undervalued right now. I see a 12 month target of around 100.
1: Oh, yeah. So the next company is Home Depot, Ticker HD, just ended the week at $120 a share. It's also had a really strong week, or a strong year as well. Uh, It's the world's largest home improvement retailer. Um, They do have an earnings report coming up on November 17th, so we'll definitely look out for that. Um, One thing you want to look out for, though, is that as the housing market continues to gain more traction and recover, uh, a lot of people are looking for home improvement. They're looking to spend more money on their house, looking to buy houses, and Home Depot is one of the main uh, retailers that supplies the things you need to complete these projects. Um, so I'm really bullish on Home Depot as well, and see a price target around 130
0: maybe 135 for the next year. Um, so, yep, Chris? Uh, so next up, Tesoro, ticker TSO. It's trading about $111 per share. It's a refiner, distributor, marketer of petroleum products. They operate mainly out of the United States, the West Coast. Uh, they've got six refineries out there. That supplies 2,200 gas stations. 600 of them are owned and operated under their brand. They've done really well year to date. Uh, they're trading near their 52-week high. I like the stock, though, despite its high price right now. That's because it's shown strength through the oil scare. It's shown strength through all the market declines. You know, I really like them, so I put a price target around 125 12-month.
1: Uh, next stock, Visa, uh, ticker V. Just ended the week around 78 dollars a share. You know, I'm a little bit weary about Visa, although you did see that 30% increase for the year, just because some of the slowing internationally and the uh, the economic just the economic market. Um, it did have some impressive uh, earnings per share as well. So know, yeah, there's a lot of mixed signals for the stock. I'm a little bit skeptical of investing in it right now. Um, so Visa, I would kind of watch out for. Chris?
0: All right, last one, Under Armour, ticker UA, recommended by a buddy of ours to look at. It's a textiles and apparel company known for their distinct brand name, athletic wear. It's trading right now at just above $87 a share. It's down big on Friday, down five plus percent. This is because recent reports showing that their inventories are up 36% while their sales were only up 23%. You don't really like to see that inventory outpacing the sales. They are, however, trying to diversify out of just their cold wear and sport wear, uh, which you can see in their sales of uh, shoes. Shoes right now from the last quarter earnings showed sales increased 61% year over year, which is a big increase. You like to see that helped the company have their first $1 billion sales, in quarters, $1 billion sales for their quarter. They've got stiff competition in Nike and Lulu, uh, but you know they've been growing really well, so I like to see them take some uh, market share away from Nike, 12-month target of around 100.
1: Uh, my last stock is Caterpillar, symbol CAT, just ended of the week around $69 a share. You know, the reason I found this one is you had that big decline in the S&P and the whole market on Friday, but CAT remained up. I mean, it ended up over a percent or one percentage point, and that's definitely something you want to see. Uh, But the reason I'm kind of weary about CAT right now is just because of um, some of the energy energy stocks and the energy market falling and how big CAT is in that industry with the mining tools and just all the machinery in general. Uh, Not only that, as you see China, for example, how their economy seems to be slowing, that's definitely a signal that their infrastructure is slowing as well. And with China being one of the main uh, buyers of Caterpillar Instruments, uh, it's it's not a good sign in terms of how much revenue they might bring in for the upcoming years, so definitely watch out for CAT, especially how you've seen this past year as the market has gone up. CAT has been slow. I mean, you've seen it; it's, it's come down a decent amount. Uh, so definitely be weary of CAT if you're looking to invest, and uh, I'm not really looking to get
0: into it right now. All right. Um. How about next up? Let's go into our stocking segment, which are just basically stocks that we want to keep our eye on for this upcoming week. Uh, mine, my choice is Walmart, WMT. They're reporting earnings some, uh, this week, and you know I really want to look at their sales numbers, their revenue numbers. You know, I want to see how that increase over the years. Uh, I'm, and I'm really looking at this should be like an indication of the U.S. economy right now. See how sales are going for retail in general, because Walmart's a good indicator of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, the stock I'm looking at is Chipotle Mexican Grill, and it's almost purely out of fun. This thing is is ridiculous to watch. On Friday, it dropped four percent. Um, and before that, it's actually uh, from mid-October. It's gone from $720 a share, and now it's at $600 a share. This thing is a roller coaster. Yeah, it is, it is really fun to watch. Um, you did have that E. coli scare earlier in the month, uh, which has driven the price down a lot. I do think it's an overvalued uh, stock, um, but the, people do trade it, and they love to push that stock up and down and all over the place. So I'm really excited to see what it does
0: in this upcoming week. You you know you know you avoid that E. coli scare. Hell, Chris. Don't get lettuce on your breeder <laughs> holes.
1: <laughs> I'll continue to get it. But.
0: <laughs> All right, so I think that wraps up our first show in terms of content. Uh, one thing, uh, please do your own research into the stocks before you blindly invest into them. Don't just take our opinions. Make sure that you know the ins and outs of the companies that you're getting into. A few plugs. Uh, we do have a Twitter. Nick, what's the, what's the Twitter? Yeah, handle? you
1: can find us on Twitter at Stock Talk Show One. Uh, The name of the Twitter page is actually The Stock Talk Show. So, you know, contact us with any of your questions, concerns, anything you think you can add to the show or contribute to the show. Uh, We also have a Gmail account. Um, It's The Stock Talk Show. Um, And feel free to do the same, to email us, to ask us any questions, concerns.
0: Yeah, we'll be starting, I think, next week a segment about, like, some fan mail or something. We'll read your questions out loud on the air. Yeah, we'd love to hear
1: some of your input. Yeah, we'd love to hear
0: and we'll answer them. Um, also I think we're working on a website uh, hopefully that will get get out soon where you can download some stock reports that we make We'll try to do these shows every other week you know so hopefully we can get you guys some content um, but in terms of the first one thanks for joining thanks for listening the whole thing I know it's kind of long hopefully we'll we'll get better at this as time goes on so thanks for joining and yep. hope to see you on the next one